0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him. How to destroy him? Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw, And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers! How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here." The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here. Are my mother and my brothers? For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Our chapter today ends up being primarily about Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees who are opposed to his ministry, as he seeks to bring about forgiveness of sin and salvation to all people. So it begins with the Sabbath, that his disciples are plucking heads of grain because they're hungry as they walk through the field. So they're eating, they're working small amounts. The Pharisees had a series of 39 additional laws about the Sabbath. Things like how far you could walk, how many times your hand could go from your plate to your mouth, in order to protect themselves from breaking the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In best construction, we would say they were doing something that was meant for good. They were trying to not sin and I'm not going to say there's something wrong with trying to not sin but at the same time I also know that we're not capable of such a thing anyway as they really go after Jesus for this accusing his disciples here of sinning on the Sabbath Jesus response is to point them to a couple of Old Testament examples one of which is still ongoing for them first Samuel 21 as David is on the run from King Saul, who was trying to take his life, he comes across the priest at Nob, Ahimelech, who gives him the bread of the presence. He feeds him. He gives David food because David is hungry. So the priest took what was only supposed to be for the priest, the holy food dedicated to the Lord, and he offers it to a man who's in need. That's the point Jesus is making, that the, the holy things were used for good and that this ended up being Okay. You can read about the bread of the presence in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 7, which really ends up being a tremendous foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper that we celebrate in our churches together today. There is a bit of a difficulty with this verse in that 1 Samuel 21 makes it sound like David is traveling alone, whereas Jesus also mentions those who were with him. Ahimelech specifically asked David why he was alone, why no one was with him. But David's own words in verse 5, when it was said that they were supposed to have kept themselves from women, David responded, truly women have been kept from us. Notice the plural, as always when I go on an expedition, the vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So it does sound like perhaps there are servants of some kind who have accompanied David, but he's fleeing for his life from King Saul. So that's one of the texts that he brings up. The other one is the idea from the Old Testament of the Sabbath day and how people had to bring their offerings, their sacrifices to the priest. And yet, guess what? That means the priest is working. The priest is breaking the Sabbath. He's doing work. He's lifting up an animal, he's slaying an animal, he's taking blood, he's, he's cooking, all these other kinds of things, and it's not held against him by the Lord. A bit of a similarity today exists in our churches as your pastor doesn't get Sunday off. Right? For most people in our society, Sunday is a day of rest, and your pastor works on that day in order to feed you. So it's good to give your pastor a different day off so he also can rest But the picture is, you get to eat. You are cared for. You are loved. You are provided for by the Lord's hand. And then your pastor, as a servant of the Lord, sharing his word and his sacraments with you. And this is a good thing. So Jesus showing that he is Lord of the Sabbath. He does have them remember Hosea 6, verse 6 again, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He already had that before them in chapter 9, verse 13. Just a couple days ago, for us, God would rather us keep his commandments and not have to make offerings than to sin against him and make offerings for forgiveness. And so we are to also then so love one another and care for each other, be merciful, show mercy to each other, faithfulness. We get another healing from Jesus, this time on the Sabbath. That's our connection to the paragraph before it, continuing to show Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. He's master. It has to obey him, not the other way around. So they bring him, essentially. He's in the synagogue. There's somebody there with a withered hand, and they bring the man to Jesus' attention. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus uses, again, an illustration that should be clear-cut for them, You have a sheep, it falls into a pit. Which of you are going to leave it there? You're going to bring it out. You're going to rescue it. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Yes, it's work. But it's work done to love your neighbor. And that's okay to do. That's the point Jesus is going to make here. So he has the man stretch out his hand. Now notice the faith of the man. He's going to get in trouble with the Pharisees really either way, but he's working on the Sabbath by their definition of things here as he obeys Jesus, but he obeys God rather than men, Acts 5.29. Jesus heals him, and instead of being delighted that healing has just happened in front of them, they're angry with Jesus and they seek to kill him, to destroy him. The miracle hardens their hearts. Jesus then uh, leaving We get Matthew with the ninth fulfillment of the book. It's our first since chapter 8, verse 17, four days ago. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 3, one of the servant songs from the prophet Isaiah about the Messiah and what he would do. My servant, God speaking, of Jesus, with whom my soul is well pleased, spoken of Jesus both at his baptism and transfiguration. I will put my spirit upon him, baptism, He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So Jesus is going to care for all people, including even non-Jews. He's not going to quench a smoldering wick, so the the faith that's about to go out, he's not going to crush it. He's going to care for it. Even the Gentiles will hope in his name. Indeed, Jesus means he saves. That is my hope, and I pray it's yours also. And they bring him a demon-possessed man. This is somebody who can neither see nor speak. It's possible he can't hear, and Jesus heals him, so he can. And the people begin wondering if he might be the Christ, the son of David, the promised Savior from 2 Samuel 7. But the Pharisees accuse him of being only able to do this because he's in league with Satan. Beelzebul is from the Hebrew, Baal is prince, so they're accusing him of being the devil, Basically, the demons have to listen to him, so he must be in charge of them. He must be one of them. High-ranking demon official, Satan himself. Jesus makes the argument that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. That's a fairly commonly known, famous statement that he's made, although I'm not sure we often believe it. We don't think the nation that we live in, America, is going to fall. It's extremely divided. This kingdom will come to its end but Jesus' kingdom will stand forever. Jesus then does jab back at them that apparently the sons of the Pharisees, whether that's like their literal father-son sons, or if it's their students, the disciples that they're training to be Pharisees after them, they are casting out demons. There's not much told to us about this in Scripture. It's an interesting referent here. But Jesus basically says that they're judging with a double standard. They look at him casting out a demon and it's bad, but when their sons do it, they're proud. Their own sons' actions will be their judgment. Jesus then goes into an illustration. I do think we often get this one backwards. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. The devil is the strong man, and this world is his house. Jesus comes, he binds the devil by his death on the cross and by his resurrection so that he can plunder the devil's house. That is, he can rescue us, redeeming us from the devil's grasp. Whoever is not with me is against me. That's a well-known statement, although not often attributed to Jesus, just in a worldly sense, friends and enemies kind of statement. Whoever does not gather with me scatters, and that's what the Pharisees are doing. They're not seeking to bring people to Christ and thus to forgiveness, life, and salvation. And if you're not, you're leading them away. There is no in-between. Jesus then speaks of the only unforgivable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. This is unbelief. How you unravel this one, ask your children the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? You can go to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, a great way to do it, or you can simply say, the Spirit creates faith in us, and the Spirit leads us to repent, The Spirit points us to Jesus. So if we reject the Holy Spirit, we don't have faith, we don't repent, and we don't see Jesus. Thus, not forgiven. That's the only unforgivable sin, is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, unbelief. The tree statement in the paragraph, starting at verse 33, Jesus calls them a brood of vipers, just as John did back in chapter 3, verse 7. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees, bad fruit. Straightforward. I do think that the analogy he uses or the picture he uses in the rest of that paragraph is something we need to pay more attention to. I love the original language, clunky, in the Greek that gets cleaned up in English. Here's the clunky version. The good man out of the good storehouse throws out good. The evil man out of the evil storehouse throws out evil. It's like the picture you've been stockpiling uh, expensive things in your house for the last 20 years. And now your house is full. And you find some new fancy stuff that you want to store in your house. In order to store that new fancy stuff, you have to throw out some of your older stuff. Guess what you're throwing away? You're throwing away fancy stuff. Or if your house is just filled with garbage and you have more garbage, you have to throw some garbage out. It's an it's a interesting way to picture this, that whatever we have filled ourselves with, that's what we overflow with. And this is what I think we need to pay more attention to. So asking, asking our children, what should we fill our hearts with? We should fill them with things of God, with his word, with time and fellowship, with brothers and sisters in Christ, with those who will point us to Christ, so that when we have the opportunity, what are we overflowing with? With God's Word with forgiveness pointing others to Jesus as he's called us to do if you're filled with sports because you watch sports all the time that's what you're gonna share with others it doesn't help others that's the thing to keep in mind revelation 20 is kind of brought up here by your words you will be justified by your words you will be condemned revelation 20 is fascinating that we are judged by our books everything that we've done in our life thought, word, deed. But those who are in Christ, their name is written in the book of life. And so they will be judged by his book, by his book of life, which is perfect, not by their own. We then get the sign of Jonah. They demand a sign from Jesus. What more do they want to see? They've watched him heal people. A withered hand became good again. But they still want a sign. Prove yourself to us says the only sign that they will get is the sign of Jonah. Three days in the fish, Jesus will be three days in the earth. That causes some difficulty for people. Uh, Friday afternoon, Friday night are actually two separate days. What we think of, because their day starts when the sun goes down. So he's buried at the very tail end of one day, and then all of Friday... And then Saturday he is in the tomb three days it just doesn't always look like it on a calendar the way people want it to by our own timing so he he points to Jonah preaching in Nineveh that they repented he points to the Queen of the South a pagan who comes and and wants to hear of Solomon's great wisdom that's first Kings chapter 10 That they have gotten to hear from Jesus and they reject it so they will be condemned on the day of judgment The unclean spirit part is another fascinating section, and it leads to the question for our families, can demons possess Christians? Essentially, what Jesus is pointing out here, he has done a miracle, and there's no change in the person. He cast out a demon, but because faith has not taken place, the demon comes back and the house is still empty, the body, the person, and so the demon brings other demons along, re-inhabits the person, and now that person's worse than before. This leads us in the history of Christianity to believe that a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, because we are Christians, we trust in Christ, we follow Christ as our Savior who's forgiven us, we cannot be possessed by demons. It's not to say they can't attack us and harm us, but it's a fascinating and also very comforting thing. And lastly, his family comes to see him, and Jesus essentially rejecting them here, who is my mother who are my brothers and he points to his disciples those who do the will of his father earthly blood doesn't matter it doesn't matter who your blood relatives are our true family is that we have been adopted into god's family his family are our brothers and sisters you and i on opposite ends of the microphone and speaker we could be I don't know hundreds of miles apart thousands of miles apart, maybe never met before, but you and I are family. Thanks be to God, we get to spend paradise together with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.